0: This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com.
1: Well, welcome. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Those of you online, we're glad to be able to join with you this morning. Um, If you were here last week, um, you heard Tom uh, say, hey, I'll be sharing uh, part two of The Road Ahead and um, I know that Tom often says that he and I are, are brothers from another mother, um, but clearly I am not Tom. Um, clearly. Uh, I, have, I am not tall and slender. No. no. So, so we are not, not Tom, um, but we are here this morning. He's a little under the weather, and so um, he called in uh, the second team, and so here we are. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, we are just really glad to be able to be here, glad to be able to, to uh, share with you this morning. and. Um, I I look forward to it. So uh, it was hilarious because last service, um, we had stools that were about this high. Um, So our stands were about here. (laughs) So I'm I'm, I'm feeling very tall right now. I'm trying to adjust it like this. This feels so much better. This is is
0: better. This is better. (laughs) I told him to give a short stool because so my legs aren't very long, and I, want, I don't want my feet dangling, right? But they were like, really? Yeah, I was ready <laughs> really just to start. do the kumbaya, you
1: know, so yeah, here we are. Yeah. So we're we're here. Christmas season is over, and we're into this new season, which is nice. I'm, I'm curious, anybody still have Christmas lights or Christmas stuff up at all? Any, more? There's a yeah, few. More yeah, hand, right? Yeah, right. okay. Yeah, we're loud and proud. So so my my um, my uh, Aunt Connie, um, she keeps her Christmas tree up the entire year. Her rationale is like, hey, why would we just celebrate Jesus' birth like one day? Why wouldn't we do this every day? So she just keeps it up the entire year. Uh, I love the way that she celebrated the Lord. It's it's so great. And so, yeah, we have just different ways of going about the Christmas season. But as we step into this this year, a lot of us might be making New Year's resolutions. And we start to get into some of those rhythms. Like maybe some of us have already started our resolution and have ended our resolution. But uh, at least we gave it a valiant go for those couple of days. So well done (laughs) to those of you that that's the case. Um, But we start to settle into routines, and one of the routines that tends to happen, at least for most Americans throughout the year, every year, is this routine of of assessing the the gifts that we were given at Christmas and determining whether we want to keep them or to return them. And so many of you uh, maybe have found yourself in that place where you're returning your gifts and figuring out what you're going to do with with the return gift um, money or whatever the case might be. Um, but we took it upon ourselves to, to find out um, what are the most returned gifts uh, during the season. And I, and I know that you're just dying to know what that is, right? I mean, you came here, I want to worship the Lord, and I want to know what the top eight gifts returned were. Well, of course, I know that that was your list, your pecking order as you came today. So we want to help you with that. So here it is. So number eight on the list of most returned gifts are video games. Video games makes the list. And I was trying to think about this. Like, I don't know if kids get the games and they beat them first day and then they (laughs) return them. Like, like, how does that work? I don't know what goes on there. Number seven, glassware. Uh, Number six, kitchen appliances, which I just thought, really? Like, that's still a thing? I mean, haven't guys learned? I gave my wife
0: a Christmas gift, uh, an appliance one year. Yeah, a waffle maker. And how'd that go for you? Well, because she asked for it. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, that's not the way to go normally. So, guys, you know, kitchen appliances, unless they're asked for, yeah, yeah. just say no. Don't do it. Uh, number five, athletic apparel. And I was thinking about that. Like, so there's returns on athletic apparel. So maybe the deal is, like, people purchased what they were hoping to do for the New Year's resolution for their size and then tried it on and go, not there yet. return. Get the larger size. I mean, I'm trying to figure out, like, what athletic apparel, what's that about? Uh, makeup, number four. Uh, number three is shoes.
0: That's the thing that needs to go back. Number three is shoes. Shoes. And then, then number two, men's dress shirts. And I might add to that, ties. Men, have you ever gotten a tie for Christmas? <laughs> Man. And then the last one is, number one, Clothes. And I think it goes to uh, the fact that we, we all believe we're smaller than we really are. <laughs> <laughs> it's, well, maybe we, we actually ask for the clothing size
1: before the Thanksgiving time. Mm. Thanksgiving, Christmas <laughs> hits. And it just, yes.
0: It's all uh, downhill from uh, me there. Me <laughs> so that begs the question, though, if those are the return gifts, what are the gifts that we keep that we most cherish? Mm-hmm. And so I was thinking about that. What are the things that I keep? Well, they're the things that I love, the people that come the things that come from people I love, Mm -hmm. not the people that come from things I love, (laughs) the (laughs) things that come from people I love, those are the things that I cherish and tend to keep and value. Uh, I was thinking about some of these, like years ago, 40 years ago, my wife gave me a Swiss army knife in a leather case. I still have it. I cherish that, yeah, I cherish that. Uh, I have an embroidered Bible cover that a friend in college gave me and I cherish that. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, Some family pictures that I got from a sister that are so meaningful to me. Um, And then cards with just words of love and appreciation from people that I care about. Those are things that I cherish and don't get returned.
1: Right. And in my world, I know like anything that my boys like for Christmas or birthdays, they'll often draw a card uh, for my birthday, and like I'm holding on to that, and you know, um, they I just love any time that they create something with their hands. I'm just like I love it, and they just like want to take it and throw it away. I'm like no, like go, <laughs> no, I want that. I'm going to keep it. I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I'm going to keep it because I just love their creativity. I love when they take time and just invest in that way.
0: You still have things on your wall in your office that were written when your kids couldn't spell dad. Right, yeah. it's still there. It's just those like, cool. I,
1: I can't get rid of it. Yeah. I know I probably should, but I just, I just love it. Yeah. When well, my wife gets things that, are, that, I mean, she gave me an ornament um, a year ago because my dad died, and so she gave me an ornament um, of a picture of myself and my dad, and it's just like, mm. oh, mm. like just deep. Yeah, that, mm. that type of stuff, I just hold on to it, just cherish it. Mm. Um, those are the things that don't get tossed. Those types of gifts, they never get tossed. And they have top priority um, in our lives, and they give us, they have real meaning. It's not just stuff. It's not just stuff that we just give back. And I know that for many of us, when you think about it in your own life, you likely have things that you cherish, things, gifts that you have, like you simply just <clears throat> would not give away. We all have those things.
0: Yeah, I'd love to hear what, what all of you have kept and what you've returned, but obviously we don't have time, so we'll move on. But uh, we've all returned gifts over the years. I think we could probably say all of us have returned something along the way, And the decision to do that is based on a few things, like what fits, like I'm not going to keep a size small shirt, I'm not going to do that, right? (laughs) So what we like, there are things that we like and don't like, and what's important to us, some Mm -hmm. things are important, some aren't, and we keep those things that are important. And each of us has to make those same kind of decisions every day. It kind of begs the question, uh, what's important to me? What do I want to keep in my life, and what do I want to discard, Mm -hmm. right? And so we ask that question in relation to our faith, too. What are some of the things that God has given us as followers of Christ that we want to really cling to? Mm -hmm. And what are some of the things in our Christian life that, you know, we just want to get rid of? Right. Uh, I was thinking about this, and and a story was given to me, and I just thought it fit, so I'm going to share it. You've all played the game where uh, you're like on the playground in fifth grade, and and the two best athletes in the group, you know, are choosing sides. Mm-hmm. And I usually got chosen toward the end. But that's okay. I, I can live with that. Very but uh, the story's told about this kid. He was the first one chosen by the captain. And, and they went on with the choosing of the sides. And this kid comes up to the, his captain. He says, hey, make sure you choose Corey. And the, and the captain goes, why? He says, because he's really good at dying. <laughs> and, and they were playing paintball. So sure enough, the, ga- the game starts. And Corey catches one right in the chest. <laughs> And he's just bloody with pain all over him. And he dies really well. He kind of has this moan and then he falls sloughly to the ground and he moans again. He rolls over, like he's rolling over a cliff. <laughs> and both teams are so enamored by his dying that they come and watch him die. And it's, it's just really cool. So, that's what made the game fun. And, and, you know, in real life it's kind of unthinkable to think about saying pick him because he really dies well. We, we don't choose people on that basis. But... In Matthew 16, there's an interesting story. Jesus is telling the disciples, he says, uh, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, they're going to torture me, they're going to kill me, and then I'm going to raise from the dead. Mm-hmm. And Peter says, may it never be, Lord, can't be, you won't let that, one. I'm not going to let that happen. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan. And I'm glad he's never said that to me, by the way. But then he says, and it goes into Matthew 16:25. he says this, whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, Jesus did choose people who know how to die well. Mm -hmm. So he fits into this uh, illustration. But what he's saying here in the larger context of discipleship, or being a follower of Jesus, is that the way the world views things is is not always the way he views things. Mm -hmm. He says we have to, to save our life, we have to give it up or lose it. And uh, in fact, I did a sermon series years ago, I called it uh, Paradoxical Principles from the Prince of Peace. Just this whole idea that Jesus has this upside-down value system from what the world has, and we need to pay attention to it because the world is wrong, right. and he's right. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And that's the way that kind of Peter saw the situation. I mean, Peter is just like, look, Jesus, I have a plan about how the way this whole thing's going to go down, and you need to fall in line with my plan. But as we know, that that's not the way that things end up working out. Jesus had a way that things were going to go, and he's saying, you're going to follow the way that I'm laying out things. And that plan for Jesus, that plan ends up costing Peter, and it ends up costing us as followers. It costs us something. When a person chooses to follow Jesus and gain eternal life, the call is to deny themselves and all of their ambitions. They must take up their cross and follow Jesus. In other words, the decisions that we have in life, we have to make them when they come to us. We have the decision to make, will we follow even though it costs us? And these same decisions have to be made about the gifts that God has given us. We will either choose to hold on to them or we'll choose to let them go, just like we do when we receive Christmas gifts. will We hold on to them will we let them go. The same thing is true with the gifts that God has given us. So it's important to know which gifts are from God, And which gifts are worth holding on to. That seems like a really important thing to determine, right?
0: Absolutely. We've got to know what do we hang on to and what do we let go. And so we're going to talk about three gifts this morning Mm -hmm. that God's given every follower of Jesus. And talk about whether or not we should hang on to them or let them go. Right. So the first one is the gift of humility. And in receiving the gift of humility, we have to let go of pride. Um, Proverbs 22 speaks to this in the Word. It says... The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but that's what I'm after. I want riches and honor and life. That's all good stuff. Mm -hmm. And it says it comes as a reward for humility and fearing the Lord. Mm -hmm. It's an important concept. It's a gift God gives us. We're going to talk more about that. But St. Augustine, one of the early church fathers, said it this way. If you plan to build a tall house of virtues... You must first lay deep a foundation of humility. That's good. That's really
1: good. Peter says it in this way in in chapter 5. He says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. You see, when we embrace this gift of humility, we are saying, God, this thing is too big for me to understand or to take on by myself. And I receive your invitation to place it upon you. God gives us this spot, this way of being with Him, where He's saying, "Like I can actually bring my stuff to you," and that takes a place of humility in order to do that.
0: You know, those of you who know me best know that I, there's a hobby I have that I just love backpacking, and so we've been going to the same place in Montana for 37 years—be 38 this year, I think. Wow. But uh, as we've gotten older, we don't go quite as far or as fast, and we don't carry quite as much, and it still hurts more. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, in the last few years, we've taken some younger guys with us, and one of the guys is a guy that I know uh, from the church here. His name is Tim, and he's just a a servant, about 20 years younger and a lot better shape than I'm in. Mm -hmm. So many times in the last number of years, Tim has gotten to camp way ahead of us older guys, and he puts his pack down, and he goes back down the trail, and he offers to take my pack or my friend... Jeff's pack hmm. because we're the oldest guys, and uh, he then he carries the pack all the way up to camp. Wow! You know, humility would say, "Oh, thank you, Tim. Please." Pride would say, "No, I got it. Take his. I'm tough, even though it still hurts." You know, <laughs> so there's a, a there's a blessing that goes with humility here, where you're taking the burden off and giving it to Tim hmm. in this case, yes. and I think that there's a lesson there to be learned about our walk with the Lord. In humility, maybe it means for you today that you'll stop putting everything on your shoulders and let him take your pack, so to speak. Let him carry it. That's humility. And it's a gift that he gives us. He says, I'll gladly do it. Matthew 11 says this. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened and tired of carrying that pack. And I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in spirit, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is comfortable, and my burden is light. Mm -hmm. It's a wonderful thing to take that pack and give it to the Lord. So the first gift we're talking about that God gives us is humility, where we just turn things over to Him. And we have to choose. Do we return that, or do we claim it and cherish it?
1: Right. And the second one that we want to bring up this morning is the gift of purpose. Purpose is one of those things that in our society, it seems as if as as society continues to move further and further away from the things of the Lord, the idea of purpose continues to get lost in the process. And yet there's still something deep within us that desires and longs to have purpose in our lives. I mean, people, whether they know Jesus or not, recognize the importance of having purpose. Pablo Picasso said that the meaning of life is to find your gift, but the purpose of life is to give it away. Even, even somebody who would say, I'm not even a follower of Jesus, recognizes that there's this need to give away our life, that there's a meaning to our life to be outward focused. Leon Ho, who's the founder and CEO of Lifehack, says it this way, and he describes a situation that, that really is, is sobering. He says, have you ever dreaded living a lifeless life? If not, you probably don't know how excruciating such an existence is. Imagine not wanting to wake up every morning, but also not wanting to go to sleep at night. No will to work, no excitement to spend, no friends' company to enjoy, and no reason to continue living. A blank mind with nothing to think about. The lack of emotions, negative and positive. Nothing to look forward to. Yes, it's clearly a depressing life. That's exactly what you end up with feeling without a purpose in life. You see, purpose is huge. And he understands that there's a need for us to have purpose as we're to move forward in this life together in Christ.
0: I love that phrase from that that quote there, Mario. He says, living a lifeless life. It reminds me a number of years ago, I was on a missions trip to India with Pastor Tom and his small team. And we were in the town of Rishikesh, and those of you who know who the Beatles are probably remember their song about Rishikesh. But Rishikesh is one of the darkest places I've ever been, spiritually speaking. Mm. And I remember walking around there, and you could almost feel the heaviness, the darkness there, and people, you'd see these people walking around with just nothing on their face, no happiness, no joy, no sadness, nothing. It was like a blank slate. Mm. And, I, and it made me think about this phrase, living a lifeless life. Yeah. It was, it was heavy and it was frightening to think of living a lifeless life. And that's where these people are at. But it doesn't just happen in places like India. We see it here. Mm-hmm. And maybe some of us in, in the group this morning are have been or are in the middle of falling into believing this lie that my life doesn't matter. Or that it doesn't matter if I'm here or not. And I want you to know as a follower of Christ, that is a lie. Here's what Paul wrote about this, about followers of Jesus. He said in Ephesians 2, For by grace you've been saved through faith. And it's not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not a result of works that no one may boast. And then he goes on and he says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. There's a couple things in the scripture I want to just camp on for a second. First of all, it says that we're saved by grace through faith. And he says two things it's not. It's not of works and it's not of yourself. We can't earn our salvation. It is a gift, it says, that God gives us. And that is such good news. If you don't know the Lord this morning, please come and talk to somebody. I'd love to tell you about that gift. That's the best Christmas gift ever. The second thing, though, in verse 10 that I want to really camp on here, and the main point is that we as believers, as followers of Christ, are called to do good works. Knowing that God's workmanship is not achieved by good works, right. but its result in good works. So when we come to faith, it's not because we're doing good works. We come to faith, and then out of thankfulness, we do good works. Mm-hmm. In other words, God has prepared a path of good works for every believer which you'll perform in and through them as they walk by faith. It's about God performing his work in and through believers. And this is what we get to do, to live out God's purposes in all of life. It's an exciting life. And this is what I want you to hear. Our life has purpose because he gives it purpose. Right. Not because of anything in me, but because he gives it purpose. Right. That's, just, and that's good news. It is very good news.
1: And when we talk about this idea of purpose, we might be wondering, like, what is my purpose? How, what, what is it that God says about my purpose? Well, the reality is, is that there's something that he calls every single one of us into. It's something that we talk about here often at Gateway because it's something that we all get to be a part of. It, it, Matthew writes down uh, this moment where before Jesus ascends to heaven, and he says, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, speaking to the disciples, saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You see, this, this making disciples, this going, this teaching, sharing, this is something that we're all called to do as the followers of Jesus. And so if you're here and you're, and you're checking things out today, if you're online and, and you're joining with us this morning, I want you to hear this because this is so important. You see, when we say I have nothing to offer, when we, when we find ourselves in that trap of saying I have nothing to offer, in essence what we're doing is we're saying, God, I'm returning the gift that you've given to me. You've given me purpose. You've given me a calling, but I just want to give it back to you. I'm going to give it back to you because I I just don't feel like I have anything to, to offer. But what I want to say is this. We all have the opportunity to step into the purposes, to step into the calling that God has in store for us. All of us get to do this until our very last breath. We all get to be a part. And so embrace your purpose. Embrace your purpose. Embrace your calling. Embrace who God has called you to be. And if you need help in doing that, that's what we're here to do. As a faith community, we're here to help each other along the way. So let's do this thing together. And so there's this gift of humility that we talked about. And then we just talked about this gift of purpose. And we keep having to ask this
0: question, is this something we're going to hold on to, or will we end up returning it? And the third and last gift that we want to look at is the gift of friends. Have you ever thought about your friends as gifts from the Lord? What would life be like without Friends. I I don't know, and I don't want to know. Now, I want to be clear. When I say friends, I'm talking about people who care about you, people who want your best, people who will pray for you and with you, people who encourage you and uplift you, people who will tell you the truth even when it hurts. Mm. Those are true friends. People who you want to be with when the chips are down and things are hard. These are the people you want to be with. These are true friends. The wisest man who ever lived, Solomon, said this in Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10. He said, two are better than one because they have good return for their labor. Labor." I found that building sheds. I can't hold both ends of the board, right? (laughs) Yeah. For either, if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. He ends with this, but woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. We need other people. Paul put it this way when he wrote in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he said, therefore encourage one another and build one another up, just as you also are doing. Mm -hmm. We need friends. And you know what else? We need to be good friends to those who need us. Mm -hmm. It's a two-way street. Years ago, I went through a a hard, very difficult, and uh, let's just say unwanted ministry change. It was not my desire. Um, And it was close friends that I could tell you who they are today who came around me and covered me with prayer, uh, loved on me, encouraged me, got me through that whole time. It was really hard, but it made that time bearable because I had friends. It was a gift from the Lord. This gift of friendship is so important that the Lord tells us uh, to be careful how we handle it. He even warns us about how we treat it, to be cautious of how we treat one another. Proverbs sixteen twenty eight says this, a perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. It's a terrible thing to separate close friends mm-hmm. and God does not look favorably on that. No. I remember a number of weeks ago, uh, our Wednesday night group got together and it seemed like everybody in our group had something going on. A family member had passed away somebody who's losing a job. Um, other people were grappling with health issues, sick loved ones, all kinds of things going on. And it just hit me how much I need those people. And they need each other. And they need me. It's a give and take, right. it's friendship, it's a gift. There are characteristics of a good friend that uh, I think we could list them, but uh, they're found in this prayer that Mario's going to read for us. I think, so listen carefully. ...for the characteristics of a good friend as he reads this. Mm -hmm. A prayer of friendship. Lord Jesus,
1: thank you for giving me such a vibrant community of friends to do life with. I praise you for the people you have blessed me with. The ones who have come alongside me to love, encourage, support, and uplift me... ...through all the twists and turns of life. I'm so grateful that I do not have to go through life alone but that you have shown me examples of your love through my dear friends. I pray that you would be present in my friendships, that you would be drawing us together in deeper community with one another towards greater unity with you. I pray that you would help heal any places of brokenness or discord in my friendships, and that you would restore any friendships that have fallen apart. Like your word says in Colossians 3, verses 12 and 13, may I clothe myself in compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. May I be patient with my friends. And may I forgive freely like you have forgiven me. May I shine your light in my friendships, giving glory to you through all that I do, say, and think. Thank you for my friends, Jesus. Thank you for the ways they have built me up and remind me of your goodness and faithfulness.
0: In your name I pray. Amen. Isn't that awesome? It is a good prayer. Friendships are valuable. Um, they're worth keeping. And if they're broken, they're worth restoring. Right. Uh, when I was in junior high and high school, I had a good buddy. Uh, and we just did everything together. We were in band. We played trumpet together. We played Herb Alpert music. Some of you know who that guy was a long time ago. Uh, we... We skied together, we played together, we went to church together, we did everything together. But after I graduated from college, we kinda went our different ways, our families grew, and those years went by. 35 years went by. And about three years ago, I was convicted by the fact that we have very few lifetime friends. This is one guy that I shared <clears throat> my life with, you know. And we'd, we'd lost track. And so I was over in North Idaho where he lives, and I called him out and said, "Hey, Bill." can I take you to dinner? And he said, yeah. So we had dinner together and just caught up after 35 years of really not seeing each other. Okay. And it was amazing. It was such a gift. It's still a gift. I got to see him last week when I was over in North Idaho again. And it was like we just picked up where we left off. And uh, it is such an encouragement to talk with somebody who knows me from way back when. Right. And, and that gift of friendship. And we pray for each other. And it's just It's a gift, and I'm so grateful I am not going to get rid of that gift. So we've talked briefly this morning about gifts, which to keep and which to cherish and which to return. And the three gifts that we've talked about that we really want to embrace, right, are the three, the first one is the gift of humility. And this is where we let our pride go and we say, Lord, I need you. Would you carry this for me? My pack is too heavy. I'm tired. Would you just take it? That's a gift that he allows us to do that. Mm-hmm. And we need to let down our guard and let him carry those burdens for us. Right. The second one we mentioned
1: is the gift of purpose. You wonder, are you living out God's purpose for your life? Are you living out and working out the things that God has called you to do? That he gets to display his glory and his life through you. The calling is to embrace God's given purpose for you and to live it out. We have this year to be able to do that. So let's step into that. And finally, the gift of friends. The question is, are you embracing the great gift of friendship? Not only by just embracing the ones that come, but by being a good friend to others. And I don't know about you, but I I know that for introverts like myself, that's a harder thing to do. It's one thing to receive them, but it's it's a harder thing to be the one to initiate, to step out. And yet, as followers of Jesus, we are called to be the people who initiate, called to be the people who step out and engage. And so we're called to reach out, to be a friend, or to offer friendship, to receive the friends that come into our life. And, and that's why I appreciate last week um, when Tom was talking about the road ahead and where does we're headed, that he talked about this year being a year where we are a community, a church that is in community, that we don't do life alone this year, that we make it a point to find ourselves being in community. And if for you and you're trying to figure out, like, how do, I, how do I even start to find friends? Maybe I just moved here. Or maybe I'm sitting online and I'm trying to figure out, like, how do I connect with people? We want to help with that. And that's why you hear us talk about, like, hey, get in a group. We want to encourage you to move towards group life. That's why we talk about it so much, because we believe it's so vital. And so maybe for you today, that is the step that you need to take is to take that step and say, I don't even know necessarily what to do next, but I am just going to text in that word to 360-209-8040 and just text in the word groups and just say, help me. I want to be in community. I don't want to be isolated. I want to live this year in community. We can be that for each other. And let's
0: choose to step out and do that. Amen. Well, as the worship team comes out to lead us in our last song, we're going to move over. And uh, I want to pray for all of us in these three things that we could... Be wise in cherishing the awesome gifts that God's given us. In particular, these three things we've talked about this morning, humility and purpose and friends. Uh, Maybe some here are struggling with one or more of those, so I just want to offer a prayer. So let's go before the throne of grace, shall we, together? Father, thank you so much for the gifts that you have given your children. If we were to start numbering them, we could be here all day. You are so good and so giving and so gracious. We've just scratched the surface this morning talking about these three wonderful gifts you've given us. Thank you that we can cast our burdens on you. Lord, if there's someone here or within the sound of my voice online that needs to do that, to let their pride down and cast their burdens on you and let you take their heavy load, their heavy pack, so to speak, I pray that you just convict them of that right now. Your, your yoke is easy and your load is light, Lord. Thank you for that. If someone here is struggling for purpose, Lord, I pray that your spirit would just convict them and that they would know you created them for good works. And they're not done with those or you would have taken them home. There's more to be done. I think specifically of maybe some who are retired here and feel like maybe their purpose is done. But Lord, if that were true, you would have taken them home. And so there's a reason for them to be here. I pray you just renew that purpose in their lives that that fire for living would come back and they would live it out do all the good works to which you've called them Mm -hmm. and then this area of friendship lord if there are friendships that need to be restored i pray you'd give us courage to step out and initiate and rekindle those friendships Mm -hmm. they are so meaningful so helpful and such a blessing for those who are good friends lord i just pray a blessing on them may they be even better friends Mm -hmm. as they reach out to those around them We thank you for this time this morning. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.